first thing you got to learn is you don't listen to losers because it's the fastest who gets paid. Fired up and you're ready. Fired up. Fired up. And it's a race from here on, no matter what happens. He's got him this time. Here they come on turn four. Must go faster. Welcome to Running Hot, the all-new motorsports betting podcast from Action Network, presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Nick Giffen, predictive analyst here at Action Network, and joining me, my co-host, Stephen Young of Roto-Grinders, better known as Stevie TPFL, and this week, we talk bets for the Pala Casino 400 on Running Hot. Stevie, the Daytona 500 is over. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. takes his first Daytona 500 victory and his third win overall in the NASCAR Cup Series. All three wins coming at super speedways. He was a 40 to 1 long shot to win. And barring 17 or more different winners, Stenhouse is going to be in the playoffs. So, Stevie, first of all, how are you doing? And second of all, what'd you think of the race? And, and what do you think of that Stenhouse win? Well, I'm fantastic now. You know, we're recording on. Thursday, you know, if you would ask me Monday, I was exhausted. I mean, Daytona 500 week is just absolutely exhausting. We don't stop with content. I feel like for it feels like a month, but it's like three or four days. So um, really happy for Stenhouse. Nicer guy in the garage. Um, love seeing him get the win. But I don't think people realize just how big this win is, right? Jody, first female to get a win as an owner. Brad Doherty, the first African-American to get a win as an owner. Like this is this is huge for NASCAR and the media outlets that like Brad and, and Jody have done this week, along with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I just, it's such a huge win for the sport. The race was fine. I mean, it was a Daytona race. Uh, I think that we saw a lot of aggressiveness early and then we saw a lot of aggressiveness late. And I think that's just kind of, kind of be how super speedway racing is going to be for this new car. But overall, man, I liked the race. I thought it was fine. Um, I had a great time at the racetrack, met a lot of, a lot of awesome people. Um, so if you came up to me and said, hi, thank you. Um, we had some action network people come up and say hi to me at the racetrack. So that was a first. So thanks for listening to the podcast, but I'm excited for auto club. I really hope they don't tear this place down. This is one of my favorite tracks. Love these old abrasive racetracks where it's in the driver's hand more than it's in the car's hand. And these are the types of racetracks that I love to predict. Oh yeah. No, these races are super duper fun to predict. Uh, and we are going to preview auto club here, but I want to give my reaction of the Daytona 500 as well, real quick, because I thought it was a great race. Like you said, uh, a lot of aggression early, a lot of aggression late, but even that middle part, they were mostly side by side there. Um, track position certainly was a little bit important, but to your point about how big that Stenhouse win is for NASCAR, uh, you couldn't be more correct. And also just for Stenhouse himself, because it's been over 100 races since his last win. So definitely very happy that he got in victory lane. But we move on this week. The Pala Casino 400 at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California to kick off this three race West Coast swing. Auto Club Speedway two-mile D-shaped oval. Uh, like you said, Stevie, it's very notable for its very old track surface. It actually hasn't been repaved since 1996. And what that has done is that aging process made it rough, bumpy, 
hard on the tires, abrasive. And like you said, it puts it in the driver's hands. So it's going to be a really fun race. Hopefully they are still able to keep this track configuration around. But I know there's a lot of talk of reconfiguring the track or at least repaving it. And that may especially come into play after this weekend because rain is in the forecast. A lot of rain is in the forecast. And with these older tracks, uh, what you will get is the cra- because they age and they get cracks in them, uh, if it rains, Water will seep back up through the tracks. So they're called weepers, and that'll make it really hard to dry the track all weekend. So hopefully we don't have to deal with too much of that. But let's get into Auto Club 400. Uh, sorry, Pilot Casino 400 preview here. Tire management, of course, will be key because of the abrasiveness. So, Stevie, let's talk about what it takes to be successful as a driver at Auto Club. Are there certain driving styles that work here? Uh, what does it take to be good at Auto Club from a driver's perspective? I mean, at the end of the day, you have to maintain your tires and still be fast. Um, I mean, it sounds easy, right? Like, it's one of the hardest things to do. And that's why if we look back to, like, old Atlanta, we saw, like, certain drivers just dominate every time we go there. We look at Auto Club, we see the same thing. That's because it's really hard to maintain your tires for a longer run and still be fast. So, I think we have to look at high tire wear racetracks, not just Darlington and Homestead and Auto Club. They're fantastic, but we can go back prior 2022 because Atlanta is way different now, but we can look at old Atlanta and we could go back and look at some Chicago land. So we're looking at these types of racetracks for these drivers that not only are fast, but they're fast over a longer run. So we're looking at who's fast in the beginning of runs, who's fast at the end of runs and trying to find a good median ground of those types of drivers and i think those are the drivers that you know we want to bet top fives we want to bet top tens um bet to win the race so you know we're going to talk about that more here in a few minutes but this is a really important type of racetrack because there's the data is there and people look at just half of the data instead of looking at all the data that we have in front of us I totally agree. I'm so happy you brought up old Atlanta, Chicagoland, because one of the drivers that I'm going to be talking about, who I really like this weekend, does have a win at one of those two tracks uh, in his history. And he's been really good at other high tire wear tracks, even some of the shorter ones uh, like Richmond is very high tire wear. It definitely is about maintaining your tires here while maintaining that speed. So uh, glad you you brought up those because we're not just looking at last year's Homestead, Darlington, and Auto Club. We got to look at at everything when it comes to high tire wear. So when doing that, what kind of data, what kind of research are you doing? I mean, you've touched on the specific tracks, but is there anything else in that data or, or in the research that you're using to prepare for betting Auto Club? I mean, I'm looking at green flag speed over the beginning, middle and end of the runs, Um, you know, loop data. Luckily, like some of the NASCAR loop data is iffy, but some of it's fantastic. And looking at data where we can look at like who's fast in the beginning of runs, who's fast in the closing type of role um, of these runs, I think that is huge. So really looking at green flag speed, um, I don't think we're going to get practice. We're going to talk about that in a few seconds here. I don't think we're going to get practice, but practice usually correlates really well with race speed at auto clubs. So hate that we're not getting practice, but there's a flip side to that. And we'll talk about it, how we can take advantage of it on the betting market side of things here in a minute. But um, I mean, green flag speed is huge driver rating at these types of racetracks. I'm going to use it. Uh, it. It factors in a lot of different things that I like as well. So it's doing some of the work for me already. 
So looking at driver rating, looking at green flag speed, um, it's really early in the year. We don't really have a ton of pit road data and stuff like that that we can rely on. Like this guy's going to gain two or three spots. We can look at restart speed from last year towards the end of the year and how drivers were performing speed-wise at the end of last year. But overall, we're going to really kind of focus on who is fast maintaining their tires over a long run. Um, that's the biggest thing at Auto Club. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm really glad you mentioned practice because uh, it absolutely correlates so well with race speed. If you look just last year at the drivers that made a 10-lap run in practice and then look at their green flag speed, the correlation between that, so the R-squared value, was 0.67. I mean, that's like two-thirds of the variance in green flag speed was predictable by 10-lap average in practice. But unfortunately, we're probably not going to have practice this weekend. So that takes a big chunk of data away from us. So we're going to have to manage and deal with that. Um, so let's actually jump into that. Rain is in the forecast. There's a very good chance the field is set without practice or qualifying. So how is that going to impact your handicapping without potentially having any on-track activity this weekend? So I got a few bets in. I'm I'm being very patient this week. I know we, we're all excited. It's the second week of the season. We just had the Daytona 500. But I, first thing I want to preach is just patience, right? If we don't get qualifying, it's going to have this formula to set the field. We're going to have some really good cars starting at the back of the field. Practice didn't dictate a lot of line movement last year, but starting position did. So if we're going to have starting position maybe give us a little bit better value, on some of these bets, I don't see them moving in the direction where we're like, oh man, I should have bet that. So getting some of these outrights or getting some of these top fives and top tens, maybe later in the week um, when practice or qualifying gets rained out on Saturday, I think is the biggest thing here. And really just kind of relying on who is fast at late intermediate tracks last year and who is fast at, you know, these type of high wear, tire wear tracks and just taking some shots and trying to find some value. And I mean, we did that. We've, we've done some work for you already. We're going to get into our turn four picks. Um, so we've done that work for you already early week value, but pay attention later in the week when we're not here jabbing in your ears. Um, rain is going to dictate how some of these lines move. So I, I think it's huge to pay attention to how much these lines move. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, one of the things there that I think is is very important you preached is patience. I've only made uh, three bets so far this weekend. Well, actually four now with uh, us doing this podcast. But prior to the podcast, I've only made three bets. And all of them, I think, are independent of what's going to happen on track this weekend. So that's the reason I've made them is I found value in them regardless of whether we get practice or qualifying or not. But absolutely preaching patience and uh i'm right there with you i i want to if there's going to be track activity i want to see that because like we said practice matters so much but if not books absolutely reacted a whole lot more to qualifying than they did to practice last year and in a track where practice is so important we shouldn't be overreacting to qualifying especially if it's not even set by speed <laughs> if it's set by some formula from daytona mostly we definitely don't want to overreact to that so right there with you on the patience angle. And you'll hear that theme from me, especially throughout my picks. So one final question before we do dive into the picks last year, 12 cautions in this race. It was kind of wild. We had some tire issues, some crashes. What do we expect from race flow? Do we expect similar or, or are things potentially going to change this year? I mean, we started to see the tire issues get better towards the end of last year, but this is not 
typically a very high caution like track like 2008 was the last time we had double digit cautions at this track before last year so it was the second race and really the first like big intermediate type of race last year so I don't want to overreact to 12 cautions for 59 laps. I think we're going to see a lot of green flags racing. I think we're going to see a lot of passing. I think we're going to see a lot of comers and goers with the tire wear. And if we don't get practice, we're likely going to get a competition caution, which teams are going to be able to work on their cars and make them better early. So typically we see the winner start really high up at this type of racetrack, but with no qualifying and so many good cars, uh, it's just one of those weeks where, I don't think we're going to have that massive amount of cautions and there's going to be a lot of stuff we can take advantage of. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think there'll be fewer cautions this year. And when that happens, it's these races become more predictable when there's fewer cautions. So the good guys do tend to win out in the end. One guy last year that lost out because of all these cautions was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He had an incredibly fast car. He drove from the back to third place at the end of stage one. Uh, and then just with all the cautions in stage two and stage three, he kept getting shuffled out on those restarts, but he had one of the best long run speed cars. I uh, was inside the top five and 10 lap average and would have been inside the top five had they in green flag speed in the race, had they not had all these different cautions. So I think it makes it very predictable. And on that note, I live bet Ricky Stenhouse 300 to one last year at the start of the race when I saw him flying through the field. If that happens again this year, we can find a driver like that, and then there'll be fewer cautions. I think live betting is a really, really good spot, especially without practice, especially without qualifying this weekend to take advantage of. But we also got to do some pre-race bets, not just some live betting. So it is time to dive into our bets. As always, we're going to take you for a lap around Auto Club Speedway. That's four turns fast around the track. One pick from Stevie, one pick from me per turn. So we've taken the green flag and it's time to dive into turn one. This is Ryan Blaney and we're running hops. Okay, Stevie, let's kick it off here. Start us off with your turn one pick. I mean, one of the fastest cars last year was Eric Jones, no doubt. This is the type of racetrack where he's good. I mean, he had a Darlington win. So we're going to go Eric Jones top five plus 375 over there on BetMGM. First in green flag speed last year, like I mentioned, two top five finishes on high tire wear intermediate tracks last year, one Darlington late in 2022. He's really good at Darlington and Auto Club. He struggles at Homestead. Okay, it's a different type of racetrack, but it's still a high tire wear racetrack. So I think this is a fantastic spot for us to jump on Eric Jones early. I've seen a lot of people talking about his top tens. I've seen a lot of people betting him outright. I'm perfectly okay with taking shots on top tens and betting him outright. I like these odds. I like the value here at plus 375 for a top five. I think he's going to have a top five speed. I think this is a team that's really going to swing for the fences to start the year with Jimmy Johnson coming in, Richard Petty kind of going out. So Eric Jones, top five, plus 375 is my turn one pick this week. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I actually am also going to go with Eric Jones for my turn one pick. Mine is just a lean. I'm going to lean on Eric Jones here. So I haven't made it an official bet. But I'm going to take Eric Jones top three plus 800 as the pick I'm leaning towards. And you mentioned top five, top three outright, top 10. 
I tend to like these upside bets more with Eric Jones. So the top five, top three outright more than the top 10, just because he does have enough downside. He's he's an aggressive driver. He's made some mistakes. Uh, he's had a lack of reliability, especially uh, with legacy slash petty GMS. Uh, so I think I tend to lean more towards the upside here, which is why I look at top five or top three or even the outright on Eric Jones. Last year, third in, uh, you know, in the race, fastest average green flag speed, like you mentioned, he's always solid at Darlington, but he does have his ups and downs at the other high tire wear tracks. Uh, obviously, Chicagoland, he did have a couple top 10s, but Homestead, he's been pretty bad there. Uh, he's only had one top 10 at Homestead in his career, and uh, Atlanta was not so great for him either. So kind of a mixed bag with Eric Jones at these high tire wear tracks, but that absolutely means there's a lot of upside because he has two wins at Darlington, that third place here. So uh, certainly plenty of upside for Eric Jones. So my model has plus 725 as fair value, which plus 800 would mean value on terms of this bet. But I am a little concerned about maybe, maybe you know, Ford or Toyota making some gains compared to last year since Eric Jones is in this Chevy. Uh, Ford has the new nose. So is that going to give them some more aero advantage in the race? Toyota last year had some overheating issues. So if they don't have those issues, they'll make gains compared to last year. So right now, that's why I'm just leaning Eric Jones top three plus 800. But I would take this if it drops to around plus 850. So Stevie, I think you and I, right there together with Eric Jones in turn one. That means time to head into turn two. I'm Denny Hamlin, and this is turn two here on Running Hot. All right, Stevie, we're going into turn two now, coming through the corner. Give us your turn two pick. My turn two pick this week is Martin Truex Jr. outright. He's plus 1,200 over there on BetMGM. Really like this 12 to 1 line for him. We talked about him a lot on the preview show. We talked about him a lot, you know, at Daytona 500. I think we're both kind of high on Martin Truex Jr. just in general. This is a guy when we're, when we add in like Atlanta and Chicagoland, one of the best top fives in six of the last nine races at Chicagoland and old Atlanta. So when we're looking at D-shaped ovals that have speed and tire wear, this guy was one of the fastest guys. So the fact that we're getting him at 12 to one because he struggled last year is huge. Top three car in speed last year on high tire wear tracks, even with the struggles that they had. So he's above average when it comes to maintaining his tires and being fast. Martin Truex Jr. is someone that you might pass him early in a run, but if you get like a 30 or 40 lap run, him and Kevin Harvick are so good at maintaining their tires and just making these laps and, and speeds up, you know, as the longer run goes. So Martin Truex Jr. 12 to one bet MGM really like this for him this week. Yeah, uh, one of the metrics I use uh, is like a track type quality or track type uh, driver rating I will look at and looking at the high tire where tracks he has the highest type driver rating over the last eight incident free races for each driver. So definitely can get on board there with Martin Truex Jr. at plus 1200 at bad MGM. Uh, I'm also going to have a lean. Don't worry. I'll have some real, real actual picks here in turns three and four, but I'm going to lean again here in turn two. And I'm going to give a lean on Alex Bowman at 22 to one. And if you listened at the top, you know, I talked, I was really glad that Stevie mentioned all of these different high tire wear tracks because Bowman's sneaky, incredible, like at these high wear tracks of all shapes and all sizes in his career. He has a win at auto club, which of course 
is the track we're going to be at this weekend. He has a win at Chicagoland, the one and a half mile high wear oval that uh, stopped, no, NASCAR stopped running at a few years ago. He has a, a win at Richmond, another high tire wear track, but it's only a three quarter mile D-shaped oval. But again, D-shaped oval. Uh, he has a win at Martinsville, and that was the year where he came through the field and, and tire wear came into play, and he passed Denny Hamlin late because he was able to manage his tire wear better Last year, he got that win at Las Vegas. That's getting kind of high tire wear, especially in the warmer weather there. Uh, Dover hasn't been repaved in forever. He has, he's got a win there. That can have some wear. You know, they fall off seven, eight, nine miles an hour over the long run at Dover as well. So uh, he's kind of sneaky at these high wear tracks. And now he gets crew chief Blake Harris, who helped Michael McDowell have a career year last year, including two top tens at Darlington. Two top tens at Darlington. You would never expect that for a front row motorsports car, but Blake Harris helped get that done. And, and as we've talked about on previous episodes, I mean, Blake Harris is a guy I'm very high on because he's made teams better, drivers and teams better every stop he has been, whether an engineer, car chief, or crew chief. So we saw, I mean, the, the improvements that Bowman made in the clash from that first practice session to the second and third, and then in the race. So they do seem to be working really well together. And my model has 24 to 1 as fair value, but it can't really factor in the Blake Harris intangible. So I may bite it 22 to 1, but I'm just kind of waiting to see if qualifying is rained out or not. If it's if it's rained out, unfortunately, that value is probably going to go away uh, because he starts fifth under the formula. So I may end up biting early anyway. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. But I'm leaning Alex Bowman for my turn to pick. Uh, any thoughts there, Stevie? No, I like it a lot. I don't think people realize just how good Blake Harris is. Um Michael McDowell's a, a good race car driver, and he made him a great race car driver. So, you know, Blake Harris is someone that I'm very high on. Alex Bowman is great on these types of tracks. So, uh, again, we we keep talking about high tire wear and maintaining speed. It's huge. You know, it's something that we're going to talk about, you know, all, all the rest of the show. Um, so buckle in. You know, we got a couple more turns to go. NASCAR season is in full swing, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. We're going down the back straightaway. Now it's time to dive into turn three. I'm Austin Dillon, driver of the number three, and this is turn three here on Running Hot. I mean, we're in turn three, right? So we got to go to the three. 
That's right. Austin Dillon, top 10, plus 170. Three top 10 finishes on Hyatt where intermediate tracks last season. Second here. It wasn't really a second, but we'll take it. Um, fourth at Homestead in 2022. 11.4 average finish over the last five auto club races. This line might move a little bit in our favor when if qualifying gets rained out on Saturday. So that's something to kind of pay attention to. For some reason, if the weather does change, Austin Dillon's running the Xfinity race on Saturday. And I mean, getting extra seat time at a high tire wear track is always good rhythm wise, uh, especially if we're not going to get practice or qualifying for the Cup Series. So if they do get a little break and they're able to get the Xfinity race in, you know, Saturday night, I think it's huge for a guy like Austin Dillon, top 10. I mean, this is good value for me. I have this at like plus 140. So getting a little bit of value um, for Austin Dillon, top 10. And I mean, looking at all the data, I think a top 10 is definitely within reach. I would probably bet this down to like plus 140. So I like Austin Dillon top 10 at plus 170 for my turn three pick in the three car. Yeah, this is an interesting one for me because my model doesn't quite show value here. But like you said, this line may move in our favor. So possibly a good spot to be patient with. And I also think my model could just be too low here. I mean, you are right. He got second here last year although he he did have a car in the mid-teens probably in terms of his his quality but with all those cautions and restarts uh he did end finishing second uh you mentioned fourth at homestead the 11.4 average finish all of those things make me think possibly my model's too low and that's going to happen sometimes my model will be too high sometimes my model will be too low so uh, i do think i would end up possibly taking this if the line moves in our favor for my turn three pick i've already made this bet I'm going to go William Byron top Chevy at plus 750. I'm going to throw a full unit on this one. Byron did have one of the best cars here last year. Uh, Maybe second only to Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick was dominating the race and then blew a tire. And unfortunately, Byron could not avoid Reddick on that blown tire incident and crashed out as well. So very strong car here last year. He's also solid at Darlington and Homestead. He may not have had some of the finishes that we want, but in terms of his speed, uh, he was right there. And of course, Joey Logano, Joey Logano punted Byron out of the way for the win in the first Darlington race last year. So uh, he was right there at some of these other high tire wear tracks as well. He previously has a win at Homestead, so he can get it done at these high tire wear tracks. And one thing I like about taking the top Chevy angle here is we avoid potential Ford or Toyota improvements. So if they've made gains on Chevy at this particular track compared to last year, then Byron may not be quite like the winning threat that he was last year just at this particular track. He obviously still could be, but if Ford and Toyota make improvements, we avoid that by taking top Chevy. My model has plus 675 as fair value. So plus 750, I definitely like on William Byron for a unit here. I'm with you on this one. I, I like William Byron a lot. I'm worried a little bit about the disadvantage he's going to have starting position-wise if qualifying does get rained out. But if we're looking at just overall speed, he was the second fastest car on high tire wear intermediate tracks last year. So Logano was first, Byron was second, Truex was third. Larson was fifth as the next best Chevy with Tyler Reddick as seventh. So there's a nice little gap that William Byron was, man, him and it was Reddick, right? Reddick blew a tire yeah. and Byron hit him. Um, I mean, they Chevy looked so good last year at this racetrack. So I think Chevy's going to be good. I, I'm really interested to see how Ford does, but Toyota, I think, is going to be good as well. But I, I like your idea of, hey, we don't have to worry about, you know, betting Byron to win the race and just take him as top Chevy here um, at plus 750. 
Yeah, that, that I agree with that. And uh, I, I didn't even have that stat about the high tire wear intermediates. So uh, that makes me feel even better. So, so thank you for that, Stevie. All right, we're rolling through turn three. Time to go into turn four. I'm Noah Gregson, and this is turn four here on Running Hot. We're going to hit the start finish line here soon. But before we do that, you have to give us our turn four pick. I'm dropping the hammer on this one. I love this spot. Daniel Suarez over Bubba Wallace at even money. Like, I listen, I ran everything with my model and the data and everything with this. And like everything I have says Daniel Suarez should be like minus 125 here. So getting him at even like money just seems like an insane value. Top three finishes or top 10 finishes three times on the four higher wear tracks compared to only one for Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace has been struggling big time at auto club throughout his career. Best finish is 19th. Suarez has finished 18th or better in five straight races at auto club, different car. I get it. It's still a really tough racetrack on drivers. So if we're going to see this type of speed for Suarez and Bubba's going to struggle, like we have to take advantage of this one. This is one that I'm like, I'm not waiting. I'm not being patient on this one. I'm jumping on this one really soon. Um, so Suarez over Wallace plus 100. Again, I really could argue Suarez being like minus 125 and still wanting to bet this matchup. Yeah, I'm right there with you. My model has Suarez as a clear favorite on this one. And uh, if we look at track quality, which is a metric I use, which normalizes to a driver's equipment, uh, Bubble Wallace has a negative 20% track quality rating here at this track. Uh, So that is just way below Suarez, who's uh, slightly above neutral here. So I'm with you there. They both struggled last year for various reasons. Suarez just didn't quite have the speed. And obviously Toyota had their, their overheating issues. But overall, by and large, instead of just looking at a one-race sample from last year, I think if we look at their career history at this track, I do give the edge to Daniel Suarez here. Uh, For my turn four pick, I know you like this one, Stevie. I'm going to take Denny Hamlin minus 114 over Chase Elliott. I already have, again, made this bet. So I'm going to win one unit here if Hamlin finishes ahead of Chase Elliott. Hamlin is the second most likely driver to win in my model, and he's been super consistent at the high wear tracks. Elliot, a little bit less so. He hasn't had the the consistency of finishes and the consistency of speed that Denny Hamlin has had. And I mean, you mentioned the Chevys as far as like green flag speed at these intermediate tracks. You didn't even mention Chase Elliott because he's so far down there at these high speed, high wear intermediate tracks. Now, Elliot did have a little bit better car last year. He, you know, he was kind of in contention for the win late after all the restarts when teammate Kyle Larson uh, blocked him, I guess, if you will, and and caused Elliot to to wreck. But that was partially because of the Toyota overheating issues, and you know. JGR Toyota made all of those gains in the second half of the year and Hamill was so much stronger in the second half of the year. And even with Toyota heat overheating issues last year, Hamlin still had a top 10 green flag speed and a top 10 average running position in last year's race. He ended up finishing outside the top 10, but I think that was just a product of a lot of late race restarts as well. If Toyota has no overheating issues, and I don't think they will because they got that worked out basically after that race, I I think it's for sure that Hamlin has a better car than Elliott. I have Hamlin almost double the win probability of Chase Elliott here, so I really like Hamlin minus 114 over Chase Elliott. Again, I wish we could get some books to say, hey, bet a top five no, because I I mean, I do not like Chase Elliott. He was 26 in green flag speed here last year where Hamlin was seventh. He was 
14th in rankings as far as intermediate high tire wear tracks where Denny was fourth. So I love that you found this one. Um, I jumped on this last night when I was typing in uh, my information for our preview for the pod. So uh, I'm with you 100% on this one. This is one like I almost messaged you and been like, all right, I know we like to go big on our victory lane, but I, I almost messaged you and say, let's take this as our victory lane pick this week because I like this bet just as much as you do. So um, I think if if no issues happen, Hamlin beats Elliot here at a lar- at a high percentage of the time. Yeah, and I will say 26 was a little misleading there for Chase Elliott. He had a really good car. I think he had an incident earlier mid-race and then came back from a lap down. And then he also had that Larson incident, which after running the last several laps at like a slow speed, it's a really misleading on his average green flag speed. I do think he had a top 10 or even better car. I think he actually had a better car than Hamlin last year just because of the overheating issues for Toyota. But by and large, you remove those overheating issues, you remove Elliott's incidents, I still think Hamlin is the favorite in this matchup, but absolutely. I I think this is a fantastic head-to-head matchup, and I'm happy to side with Denny Hamlin here. So we've made it through a lap at Auto Club Speedway. Took the checkered flag. Time to head to victory lane. Stevie, give us our victory lane pick for this week. I mean, we got some confetti with Stenhouse, right? Um, Shout out to Christy Walsh um, in the Action Network article saying bed stenhouse so we got some confetti i just have to say i just have to say we crushed that article because you had cody Ware on the lead lap and i had christopher bell top toyota and of course christy 40 to 1 on stenhouse so make sure you're checking out our articles as well over on action network but but go ahead with that thought i just want to say we we slayed that article hey listen um we did something right because we didn't end up in victory lane with ryan blaney he got turned he was super fast he had one of the best pushing cars so I still really like that bet last week, but we're going to go back to another outright this week for the victory lane pick. And that's Tyler Reddick at 12 to one. I like this a lot. We talked about it last night. Um, top seven in speed and three of the four higher intermediate tire wear tracks um, last year, really fast at old Atlanta and, and pretty much everything that he drove there. So, I mean, comping that, I don't know if he ran at Chicago land in the cup series, but I know looking back, um, at Atlanta that he's going to be good here. So flat tire. He was one of the best cars, if not the best car last year. Let's just say like it was when we were still Goodyear and NASCAR and these teams were still kind of working out these tire pressures and uh, what he had 80 something laps led. He dominated the race and got a flat tire cost him the win. So I mean, Toyota finished the 2022 season with a ton of speed on intermediate tracks. And I think that, we're not going to see a downgrade here for Tyler Reddick going into Toyota camp. I think we're going to potentially see an upgrade. Um, not saying that RCR is taking a step back, but we saw Toyota take a huge step at the end of last year. And if that continues, we're getting Tyler Reddick at 12 to one, where in a month from now, this bet would probably be eight to one. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like Bubba Wallace was a threat to win at every intermediate in the second half of the year, yeah. Michigan, Vegas, Kansas. So Absolutely. Toyota took leaps and bounds forward. And now Tyler Reddick is Bubba Wallace's teammate at 2311 Racing. Tyler Reddick is actually third in my model to win. I took him 15 to 1 earlier in the week, and that got bet down to 12 to 1. But I'm still showing significant value at 12 to 1. So I'm right there with you. I mean, he was the dominant car last year at Auto Club Speedway in that RCR car. Now with 2311, and like you said, I don't think it's necessarily a downgrade. It could even be an upgrade. Uh, At worst, it's a lateral move. But if he was the dominant car last year and made a lateral move, he could still be the dominant car this year at Auto Club. So Tyler Reddick, 12 to 1, our victory lane pick. 
And that is going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to the Pala Casino 400 episode of Running Hot, the all-new motorsports betting podcast from Action Network. We'll be back this time next week to talk betting for the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Last year's race came down in a green-white checkered finish, so hopefully we get another exciting race in Las Vegas. On behalf of my co-host, Stephen Young, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here next week on Running Hot, presented by BetMGM. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.